Welcome to Simple Life Radio. We're airing via either the AM dial of your radio, 540 AM KRXA, or live streaming on TuneIn, and of course our website, radiomonterey.com. Simple Life Radio Stories for the Adventurous at Heart is dedicated to local people, their life experiences and perspectives. I'm your host, Cynthia Fernandez. I'm happy to be here. Here on the Central Coast of California, we're experiencing exquisite weather today. Just had some April showers and the air is fine and the clouds are beautifully white and full. I love those clouds. We're so grateful for the rain. I know people are saying it's not enough rain, but I also think that we are more grateful than we have been for quite some time, maybe because we know how much we need the rain. There's been a lot of talk about drought. And we're a coastal town, so the ocean is a focal point in our life here. Our guest today is a local author who recently published a novel set in, in Carmel in the Monterey area. And although she currently splits her time between Monterey and Malibu, she has told me she prefers Monterey. And every time I've had occasion to speak with her, I am mesmerized. Here with us in the studio is Claire Fullerton. Welcome. So good to be here, Cynthia. It's great having you. You know, um, the, the novel that I was speaking about uh, recently published, right, last fall, the title is A Portal in Time. It's very intriguing, and I love the cover art. It kind of suggests a period piece, certainly romantic. It does. My publisher will love you. Inspire Publishing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, their, their artist asked me to describe in writing how I envisioned uh, the cover of A Portal in Time. And I envisioned a girl standing alone in period clothing uh, on Carmel Bay. And that was the picture that I had in my mind's eye. And so I wrote it all out in paragraph form uh, down to the high neck collar and the, and the lace skirt. And I said that, that she's, she has her head turned away for the, uh, from the water. And there's a reason for that. And that's what I see on the cover. And Finspire's artist came back to me uh, with exactly what I had in You're mind. You're right. I'm very pleased. That's exactly it. right. Well, this particular novel includes time travel. It, as I said, is our local area. And I was wondering, Claire, if you'd be willing to tell us, in your own words, a little bit about the novel and, and also how you were inspired to write it. Okay, well, why don't I start with uh, the inspiration for A Portal in sure. Time first? Okay, that makes better sense, cadence-wise. So, about 15 years ago, my husband and I checked into an historic hotel which shall remain nameless in Carmel-by-the-Sea. And as he checked us in, I was walking around the lobby and just taking in its opulent environment, uh, the travertine floors, the fireplace in the lobby. And there was a Mediterranean staircase that really caught my eye. And I, I was standing there and I was thinking, I wonder what it would be like to live in a place like this. And I wonder further if once upon a time this, this may not have started out as somebody's residence. And I started walking around. I walked up the staircase, and that was when uh, the idea for a portal in time came to me. Because in the lobby of this hotel, there were pictures on the wall of maps uh, of Carmel by the Sea around 
1900. Mm. And there were people in period clothing and all of this. And so I was saying, now what would it be like to tell a story in two time periods about somebody who's standing in the lobby and all of a sudden she starts to have memory recall on a level. Mm. And that is what A Portal in Time is about. It's about a, a modern day girl who has a, a level of dependable intuition, I call it, in that she can bank on the impressions that she gets. Mm. But yet again, let me say this again, A Portal in Time is told in two time periods that fit together seamlessly. Uh, and there's a very specific reason I chose to tell the story that way. But right now, I will not give away <laughs> what that reason is. Well, we do have plenty of stock of Claire Fullerton's book titled A Portal in Time. It is um, at the store at Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden in downtown Carmel by the sea. We're happy to have it there. And uh, I, I, you know, it's obvious to our listeners, I'm sure, that Claire Fullerton, you are a Southern woman. Uh, as a Southern woman, you are no stranger to charm. And uh, I'm curious about how our Central Coast of California has charmed you. I think it's all about you know, the, the atmosphere, the weather. Um, Monterey, Carmel, it, it certainly has an incessant mist in the air. Mm. And I love that. It reminds me a lot of uh, Ireland, where uh, I spent a year one time. Um, all the reasons that I love Ireland is th all the reasons that I love Carmel by the sea and that well for Carmel it's different because there are pine trees everywhere and there's you know the moisture and the mist in the air and, and there's always the you can hear the crash of the waves pretty much wherever you are at night in Carmel by the sea that and, is true and I love that um, I think that Carmel Bay itself is incredibly unusual and that the sand is white and the bay is in a very graceful subtle arc and you can take a walk in either direction for about a mile, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. And I love the idea that um, Carmel is a dog-friendly town, <laughs> and everybody has a dog, and everybody wants to talk about their dog, <laughs> and I, I love that. And I love that um, the dogs can be off-leash in, in Carmel Bay, so you go down there, and it's like a dog party. Isn't it true? That's for sure. And, you know, the, the Carmel Beach is so beautifully designed because up along the scenic road... There's a walkway with benches, and I love that section. You can sit on the bench and watch all the dog activity and the owner activity and the kid activity and the surfers. You certainly can, but, but what's so unusual about it is I think it's the most beautiful area I've ever seen, mm. you know, in, in that it really looks like Scotland to a large degree, mm -hmm. uh, it, just in that the cypress trees that are, that are down there, and, and it's just everything. It's, I mean, it seems like it's perpetual fall weather here. Very mild temperatures. Very temperate, yes. Yeah, you know, uh, Paul and I live inland about 15, maybe 18 miles from Carmel by the sea. And in the summer, it's anywhere from 15 to 20 degrees hotter. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, the same in reverse. Just that little bit of difference when you're away from the ocean. You know, the ocean gives that insulation. Yes. So summertime visitors say, whoa, where do I get a sweatshirt? I'm so cold. It's true. June, <laughs> July, and August are, you know, 50 degrees in the yeah. daytime. <laughs> but you can never tell because we do get our 100-degree weather as well. 
It's great getting your description of our area, Claire, because uh, I think when we live here for a period of time, we can have our little routes to the bank and the post office and the grocery store and we kind of forget about the beauty and and the environment that we live in and how pristine and, and special it is and I, I just it was so intriguing to me when you said uh, the other day that you know even though you you've kind of split between Malibu and Monterey you you're kind of drawn to Monterey because for one thing the people the people are different with each other and and somehow that is a, a comfort to you does that have to do with maybe your own environment that you grew up in? Perhaps it does, yes. I think that uh, Southerners are the friendly sort. Uh, they tend to have all the time in the world and a lot to talk about, uh, and they're, they're easy listeners as well. And I, I think that Carmel does not have any type of a, a city feel to it whatsoever. I think uh, down south in, in Malibu and into Santa Monica and these areas, it does start to feel more like a city, and cities are hectic, and, and therefore the mentality you know, of the people that live within the environment follows suit. And so I think that since you don't have that here in Carmel-by-the-Sea, uh, everybody, it's a much more relaxed environment, and uh, everybody seems you know, very, very willing to shoot the breeze you know, about, yeah. about whatever. Yeah, and it's really easy to get to know people. Uh, I, I was sort of uh, chuckling at myself at breakfast this morning. Paul and I like to uh, uh, have breakfast out once in a while before we go to work. And, and within probably 20 minutes, I had recognized um, almost a dozen people I knew. And that's just like... That's a good thing. <laughs> it's a really good thing. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't... I remember watching um, um, Mayberry, RFB. RFD. Yeah. And, and how everyone was so like a small town environment. And, and I used to watch that even though I was much, much younger um, and, uh, and think to myself how great that would be. And here I am, you know, kind of so a version of that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because I know so many people through the bookstore and, and just through living here, so. Well, our guest today in studio, Claire Fullerton, just recently published her second book. Um, is that right, Claire? Well, you're, you're close to right, and I thank you for that. <laughs> um, I, I'm getting ex further excited about it. It will be out in 2015, and the ah. name of it is Dancing to an Irish Reel, and it takes place in uh, Connemara, Ireland, on the western coast of Ireland, uh, the area outside of Galway. Hmm. And it's fiction. Nice. Very excited about that. That's awesome. So you're expecting that in 2015. And so this A Portal in Time set here in our local area was was your first novel? First published novel, yes. Second second novel I wrote, first novel published. <laughs> Got it. Now you are not a stranger to uh, the written word. No, ma'am. By any stretch. I know you've done some, some radio and some entertainment. Uh, so you're just sort of edging your way ever closer to... Uh, different aspects of entertainment. You know, the the word seems to be your your personal. What do you call that? Uh, preferred skill set or your your wand or your sword. Yeah, it, it, it's for me. It's a a love of the pursuit of the art of communication. And for me, uh, looking back over what I've been doing for the last you know twenty five years. Everything has been geared towards the art of communication, and that 
uh, radio, and then from there I was in the music business representing musicians. In other words, I was the person that, that would take uh, the artist to the record companies. Mm -hmm. so, so there was that, and, and I've also um, studied dance and kept up with that, with ballet, and uh, I taught a form of ballet bar and Pilates, and you know, that's being a teacher, and, so, and that's communication. And, but all along I have written, um, I've written poetry and you know, short stories and, and these things. I started submitting to places uh, once I felt that I was ready, uh, you know, to, to go ahead and have something worthy of submission. And I think I'm one of the lucky ones, and then it's been a real fluid build for me um, with very, very little struggling or frustration or anything. Uh, and it started with writing for the local newspaper in Malibu while submitting to magazines and then the chicken soup for the uh, for the soul book series and so everything tends to be a, a a build so that by the time you have a novel produced and and your manuscript is tight and you go to the publishing uh, company and you say this is who i am and this is where i've been published before but they know you're serious mm -hmm. yeah you have a reputation and something that they can actually look at and and get a sense of your other work kind of round you out mm -hmm. Well, this is really interesting. Um, uh, I, I see the time is coming up. We're going to have to take a break here shortly, but uh, I want to let everyone know our guest today in studio, Claire Fullerton, is a local author, and her book, uh, currently published uh, last fall, A Portal in Time, is uh, on sale at Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden, just inside the front door. Um, we are airing on KRXA 540 AM Radio Monterey or live streaming using TuneIn app on your tablet or smartphone and also um, through the computer you can just pull up the website radiomonterey.com and we're airing live. So if you're missing any part of this or you want to share it with a friend you're welcome to uh, go to the Pilgrim's Way website. After the show today, I will be putting up a podcast that you can either listen online or download. And uh, that will be at pilgrimsway.com. We're going to go ahead and take our short break here. But when we come back, we're going to find out from Claire about her early teachers and inspiration. I'm your host, Cynthia Fernandez. Stay with us for more Simple Life. back in studios thanks for staying with us during that break you're listening to simple life radio i'm your host cynthia fernandez and our guest today claire fullerton is full of surprises i wonder claire <laughs> if you would tell us about one of your first teachers shirley you said that she showed you that the seemingly ordinary things in life are actually extraordinary yes you read that on my goodreads <laughs> blog post i thank you for that you did your homework well <laughs> Um, well, my, my mother is, uh, was, she's no longer with us, God rest her, but she was um, a born and raised, tried and true southerner, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, Mississippi River, heart of the Delta, and all that that culture implies. And uh, my mother, and, and I will say 
all of her friends around her were some of the grandest characters uh, I've ever met, and that they all were beautiful and graceful and feminine, uh, and they all could they all could talk. <laughs> they all could tell a story. And I found that, you know, in the South, that it's not what you say, it's how you how you embellish it. Mm. Uh, and the rich, you know, many faceted, many layered characters that were around me growing up, um, really, really, I saw almost with what they call the actor's eye or the writer's eye, if you will, that I, I had the ability at a very young age to sort of stand and witness and watch them from the outside in, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actors and writers know exactly what I'm talking about, and, and I'm sure we've all heard that phrase before, but, but that is what it means, uh, to be able to stand outside of something, um, to be in it but not of it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, it keeps you in perpetual appreciation of people and their nuances. Uh, and the beauty that lays within, and you know where they're funny, where they're unique, where they're special, and I'm convinced that that everybody is, mm -hmm. if you're paying attention. That's right. And it's really <laughs> about, um, you know, with laser precision, zeroing in and and really listening to people and watching them and gathering the essence and you know finding what it is that makes them unique. Uh, and if you really listen to people, you understand. Uh, how it is they really feel, what it is that really mo motivates them. You, you know, know that, that was one of the motivations for this show is just to focus on people relating their own, their own story and, and, and having that sort of awaken, which I think is, is a natural thing. It sort of awakens our reference to a similar experience or a similar it, it's perspective. Very, it's very important as human beings that we all exchange notes. Yeah, I love that. That is true. I think so. Yeah, and I think that's one of the ways that we don't feel alone, frankly. Indeed. I mean, I remember taking an acting class a, a real long time ago, and, you know, I'd been in it for maybe six months at the time before the teacher said, you know, with regard to demonstrating why we were all there and what we were trying to do, she said, you know, there's really not that many different ways to live. And I thought, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. That's true. <laughs> it is true. And so I apply that to, to when I like to write, um, you know, certainly the form of a novel uh -huh. is what you were doing because there are really not that many different ways to, to live with the exception of what's going on within every individual, um, you know, it, within their interior on a personal yeah. and individual level, mm -hmm. that which makes them unique. You know, that's where the story is. Mm, that's a really good point. And so one of your first teachers you mentioned was, was your mom. You, did you get this sense about her inner world, or did you ever get to absolutely know her not. inner world? <laughs> no, absolutely not, and that was part of the beauty of her. Um, she was terrific um, to watch a very you know dignified, refined lady on the one hand, but a lot of fun and unpredictable. Um, with just uh, the capacity for hilarity more than anybody <laughs> I've ever seen. But with regard to her in interior life, um, it wasn't her way to ever really explain too much of herself or, oh. or any of this. Um, it, it just was not her way. Is that a Southern trait? I don't know. To um, kind of keep it, you know, under wraps? Well, you know, like my mother said to me one time, there's a lot to be said for pretending. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and, and perhaps, you know, uh, I think she's got a point. You know, there's a lot to be said for, for acting as if in the face of something, you know, that, that isn't pleasant, you know, including, you know, death and funerals and tragedies and all of these things. Mm. There's a lot to be said for comportment. And I will say this, that, uh, that Southerners have got that one down. You know, j just in, in terms of how to, to do the right thing, say the right thing, act the right way. You know, they're masters of the craft. Yeah, you know, that was something that I um, read on your blog, on the Goodreads blog. You spoke about having the advantage of being raised in the South and how that sort of primed you as a storyteller. And I wondered what really was it? I mean, what was it about that kind of an upbringing that primed you? I, I know you just shared about your mom and what a fantastic uh, person she was to listen to how she wove a tale and, and kind of just captured her audience. And, and I just wonder if there's any other elements that you can think of. I think the South has um, an historic and a sultriness, uh, that, you know, that type of feeling that, that permeates the air. I think that it's a, a slower type of society um, in, in terms of, you know, just the pace of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that's a hard question to answer in terms yeah. of, of, of how it specifically influenced me. I, I can only say, again, that it was the people around me that I found beautiful and fascinating and rich uh, and fathomlessly deep um, that that really just struck a chord within me mm -hmm. um, and my my third novel that I am in the process of writing now takes place in the south and you know it it's interesting to be having this conversation now because when you when you write a novel, you walk around with it in your head, yeah, <laughs> wherever you're going, whatever you're doing while you're telling the story and so right now i'm I'm living in in the south. You know, in my head, in kind your of head, a thing. Yeah, and this this is pretty much exactly what I'm writing about right now. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the the weather's hot. Whenever I go to Hawaii, for example, that's another place where things are really slow. People have time yeah. to enjoy whatever they're looking at or whoever they're with. I think that hot weather has something to do with it. I don't right. know what it is. <laughs> It'll definitely slow you down. <laughs> but I've never seen humidity anywhere like, quite like, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, where I grew up. <laughs> it's like there's no point in getting in and out of the shower. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I totally hear that. And the other thing I thought of was um, there's such a, a emphasis in our culture currently in many ways to have us move faster and incorporate more shortcuts. And we put shortcuts on our computer desktops. Our phones have uh, speed dials set up. And thanks to text, we don't even have to spell out our words anymore. And in contrast, you know, um, here we hosted a book signing for Claire Fullerton not that long ago. It was a couple months ago, I guess. No, it was actually three weeks ago. Was it really? It was. Time is flying. Um, <laughs> You personally delivered a thank you note to me rather than to send an email or even a phone call. And I just, I wanted to get your perspective on this ever encroaching sort of habit that we're all getting into to insulate and, and take shortcuts and be less personal. Well, first of all, and, and most importantly, let's get back to the thank you note. 
<laughs> which I hand delivered. I wanted to apologize that it wasn't on monogram stationery. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> but beyond that, like, the shortcuts and um, I guess the, the the world that strives for convenience and for convenience, you know that that what goes hand in that hand in with that is immediacy. And you say shortcut. And, yeah. you know, I think we're, we're we're saying the same thing, but yeah. um, I, I think it's going that way because it can. Yeah, that's that's really true. And so, because you can take a shortcut, should you? Maybe is a is a good question. And and that's something that more and more people seem to be asking themselves. For example, you know, more time now than when I was a kid, are there farmers markets and people are shopping ever more at farmers markets and they're they're paying attention to supporting local business and local farmers and local craftspeople and local artists. And they take the time to do that rather than to run at the uh, corner store and get whatever they need. Um, it's, it's a conversation that is, is growing. And I love the consciousness about it. You know, when you have a sense of choice, you feel more free. Yes. And so exercising that choice without any other change in your life will have you feel more free. Isn't it fun? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the fact that you came in, I mean, I don't want to tell you how many people have come in and handed me a thank you note. There, I could count them on one hand. It's only good manners. <laughs> <laughs> it would be un absolutely unforgivable in the South to conduct myself any other way. Well, and it sounds too, Claire, like um, your perspective on life and your experience in life is a, a deeper resonance. I think it's an appreciation uh, for the nuances. I think it, it's a clear understanding um, in, in that, and, and I think that artists, which is, you know, technically what I am, I think all artists tend to be the sensitive type in that when they um, receive a perception of something, you know, it can be loud enough to bowl them over, you mm. know, and and I think that, that artists, you know, the expression they wear their heart on their sleeves or whatever, thin skin, whatever it is, they're definitely more, more sensitive, and I think that if you couple that with a desire to communicate, and communicate well, you know, whether or not you're a songwriter, or you write novels, or, or, or you write short stories, or even if you dance, I think it's all a quest for, you know, while we're about this business of being human, about doing, you know, really taking it to a high standard, the art of which we're all engaged in at all times, which is communication. You know, and, and I know for me, just the way that I am wired for whatever reason, for whatever influence, for, you know, whatever the myriad components are that go into Claire Fullerton, you know, everything for me is, is to seek to be the best communicator that I possibly can because, you know, and, and if that is my task, my pursuit, and my job, then I want to uh, always learn, always grow, you know, be the, be the best that I'm capable of being. And the good thing about writing is that, you know, God willing, when I'm in my 70s, mm. I can still be doing this. <laughs> For sure. I mean, and, and, it's, and hopefully it, it's always going to be an evolution. Well, and everything does evolve, right? I mean, that's just kind of... Uh, somebody said to me one time, if things aren't uh, growing, then they're declining. 
Well, if nothing they, stands still in if, life. If things aren't moving, yeah, then they're standing still, and that's a death sentence. <laughs> I don't see you standing still, Claire. <laughs> we are in studio today with Claire Fullerton. She is a local. She's going to be more of a local, I'm sure. Um, and her latest book, her novel, A Portal in Time, is set in Carmel. It's a beautifully written and beautifully illustrated novel. Um, we do have it at the store, Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore and Secret Garden in downtown Carmel on Dolores between 5th and 6th. And um, I'm going to take our second break now. So uh, if you are listening and you want to um, uh, call a friend and tell them to sign on, uh, they can do that by just going to the website Monterey, sorry, RadioMonterey.com. And at the upper right-hand corner, there is a little button that says Listen Now. And go ahead and click on that button. You will hear us live. Uh, our archives from the show are made into podcasts. They're also available on TuneIn, um, actually iTunes. See, I'm not. I'm so new to tech, right? <laughs> it's Tune something. No, it's it's iTunes. The podcasts from prior shows are available on iTunes for your added convenience. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Claire Fullerton, and uh, you're listening to me, Cynthia Fernandez, here on Simple Life Radio. Stay with us. on air simple life radio i'm your host cynthia fernandez and our guest today claire fullerton we were in just engrossed in conversation when we finished that break so <laughs> sorry about that everybody but um you know whenever we have an author on the air it's always great in this particular neighborhood because there are so many artists of different forms writers definitely included and people are always curious about the different ways that writers handle their process. So I, I wanted to certainly invite Claire to share how do you, like mechanically, is there some sort of, do you have a, a traditional methodical process that you use as a writer? I do. Actually, I treat it as if it were a full-time job. Um, it is my full-time job. And, uh, you know, when one is writing a novel, you know, the, it's going to be an individual process for everybody. But speaking for myself, um, Monday through Friday, you know, and, and then sometimes more, I'm usually at my desk by 7 or 7.30, cup of coffee in hand, and, and away I go. And um, right now I, I have sort of three balls in the air in that uh, it, it's just joyous for me to be promoting a portal in time. I'm having a blast. And I do a lot of this online. There's an entire, you know, world out there on the World Wide <laughs> Web of readers that are communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't know this until you're trying to promote a book, but they're out there. And it's a full-time job, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really is. So there's that. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I am writing my, my third novel, set in the South, and it means a lot to me, the story that I'm telling. 
and the setting and the people in it and there and I have outlined I know exactly what I want to say in this book I know what's what what the themes are um, I know what the point of it is you know why am I telling this story kind of a thing and so I'm doing that but I'm fully aware that perhaps towards the end of this year although I can't tell you when but mm -hmm. there will come a time when I will be going through the editing process um, for the second book dancing to an Irish reel which will be then released you know in 2015 and so it's all a process but to answer your question um, the overall arc of my life is that all day every day I am tending to writing something somewhere to further you know one of three projects so to speak and uh, I consider it all a joy it's what I want to do with my life I'm grateful that I'm living my life the way that I want to live it um, and you know so 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 that is the big answer uh, the smaller answer is one has to be disciplined um, and committed and they have to keep the faith uh, that they have something to say and they know how to tell it. I also think one has to park, uh, you know, their 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 inner critic elsewhere as they're writing. I always tell writers, do yourself a favor, and when you're writing a long project, resist uh, the temptation to go back and edit it while you're writing because you know. You'll be on, you know, on a, on a rat wheel oh. <laughs> if you're doing it that way right. forever. That the the whole idea, certainly with the first draft, is to lay it all down as best you can, without worrying about it, because you're going to be going over that draft again and repeatedly. Again. Yeah. Uh, and I know that, for instance, with a portal in time, after I wrote the first draft, I went over it looking for dialogue. Then I went over it again looking for continuity. Then I went over it again, looking for foreshadow, and I found opportunities to say, oh, wait a minute, I got a good one here. Why don't I have this character say mm. that she's, a, she's afraid of the water? Because the reader's going to get to, if they're paying attention, you know, a, a, a much bigger sense of why you know, it, it, this is going on. And so you know, I, I, wa I wanted so very badly for A Portal to time, in Time to be the kind of book that the reader at the last page says, oh my God, I should have seen this coming, and they go back, <laughs> and they read the whole thing again, and they realize she was telling us all along. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love movies like that, too, you know, where you watch the movie, and then at the end there's such a twist that you feel like you have to see it again. Exactly. Just to follow it. Suspenseful intrigue. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the way you're describing how you uh, are kind of writing three different things, collecting information for three different projects at the same time, I'm imagining that you have, you know, notebooks at hand wherever you are. No, I don't. I mean, I'm not one of those. I, I read an interview with Donna Tartt, who wrote The Goldfinch, uh, who, who, you know, I just wildly admire her and, and her career and I, I certainly tore through all 753 pages of the Goldfinch when it came out, and and all of that. But she was saying that she carries an, uh, a spiral notebook around with with her, and has been known to, um, you know, write down dialogue that she will overhear from complete That's strangers. Fabulous. And um, 
you know that that's interesting i'm not one of those <laughs> but but yet in in the in the my southern book that i'm writing now it does have a title but i affectionately now call it my southern book um when i least expect it some phraseology will will you know spring to mind that dog don't hunt that people say in the South and these kinds of things, and I think, well, I've got to work that in. <laughs> you know, so everybody has their own process, but I, you know, I'm not one to to walk around with a notebook. You know. So, uh, speaking of checking your inner critic at the door, um, you spoke uh, just briefly earlier about sending your your manuscript once you feel it's ready to a publishing house and having it reviewed. And I happen to know that is when the clock starts ticking big time and you're not hearing anything back how how do you manage through that piece of action or lack of action you immediately engage in another project <laughs> <laughs> immediately <laughs> that's what you do and, and I, I think that yeah because because once you have done your part and, and you have turned it over so to speak um, you know you have to be patient because you know, whoever's going to be on the receiving end, you know, has a life going on and, and a business going on and, and a lot going on. And, and I think that, um, you know, you have to keep in mind that, that nobody's taking their sweet time, you know, to punish you. <laughs> you know, it's, yes. just, it's just the process. It is what it is. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that you have to, once you submitted a manuscript, then you get it off your mind and, you know, next Yes. That's what you did. So you just keep moving. Yes. So uh, earlier on, Claire, you had mentioned how throughout your life, communication has been at the forefront and, and weaving things together in one form or another, either the spoken word or facilitating musicians or, um, you know, writing novels, beautifully written novels. My question for you is, what is, what is supporting that? value for communication is it to inform is it to entertain is it to inspire what what do you really want to put out there well in 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 terms of you know why i do it is yeah that a, uh to to share and connect i think because i i know uh, when i read um a novel that that really really does it for me and they're few and far between but when I do, I am moved to my core, and I understand exactly what this person is talking about. And typically when it gets down to, for instance, the emotional level, you know, be able, you know, emotional levels uh, are, are free form, and we, we, we search around looking for words to pin them down to explain how we feel, right. you know. Um, and, you know, it's the label of that so that, so that our friend will understand how we feel. You know, that to me is the writer's job. So, you know, you, you better have a command of the English language. And that's a never-ending endeavor. That's so Never-ending, you know, for that. And, and it's all about being able to be in possession, um, you know, of words to the point where you can use them conversantly in a way that is helpful to other people. Because, you know, when they, they hear or they read something, um, in, in some way they are given permission to feel the way that they do. And that's what novels do for people, I think, on some level, you know, the, the good ones. And I'm thinking of one, I'm thinking of my favorite okay. novel, and that's uh, Pat Conroy's The Prince of Tides. And, you know, certainly identify 
with the setting. It takes place in the South, and and it's a um, a family a family saga of sorts. The things that motivate uh, the sins of the father. These themes um, that he touches on are about you know what is instilled or in other words, inflicted upon us sometimes inadvertently in our youth that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. You know, uh, Pat Conroy had, had, you know, through his use of impeccable, incredible, lyrical language, paints pictures with his words. And, you know, reading it, it it's almost liberating to be able to identify um, some of the, the human emotions and these things which have no words. You know, he's the kind of writer that can give things words. That's a real gift. That's a real gift. Especially it is. especially in such tender areas, such vulnerable areas. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that, you know, with regard to that book specifically, he's taking one family out of the multitudes and telling one story. But within that one story, are themes that are common to us all. Mm-hmm. And that's the art. Yeah, and that's what kind of reaches out and grabs us, you know? Yes. That's what you were describing. Uh, that was an incredibly impactful story. I, I didn't read it, I will admit. I work in a bookstore, which means I watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy shelving books to read them. It's a true confession. I'm just grateful that you're there at the Pilgrim's Way shelving books. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. What are you reading now, Claire? I'm reading The Book Thief. I recently started it, and that's Marcus uh, Zusak, I believe. is. I hope yeah, that's how he pronounces yeah. his name. Uh, an Australian writer, uh, young guy from what I can tell. Um, but, but it's interesting. It, it's it's written in a very present sort of language. About very it. very immediate present sort of language. And huh. uh, after reading the book thief, after tackling that, uh, which was heavy lifting in parts, it was uh, well worth the read. Um, you know, you know, and I highly recommend the book. But you know, and Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, the signature of of all things I read before that. And, you know, those are the kinds of writers that, that, you know, it's a slog in some parts to get to get through the books, and, and, uh, and, and you, you definitely want to have a dictionary by your side, <laughs> you know, w- w- with some of it. Uh, and, and, you know, but, but so far with, with The Book Thief, um, it, I'm really enjoying it, and he's telling it in a very fast pace, um, kind of on the surface tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well... That was another fabulous movie. Um, it's amazing how many books are now. I don't think this was always the way, but now movies seem to be coming right, right off the books. You know, they there's a number of them that that we have. The Wolf of Wall Street, um, uh, The Lonely Woman, I think, is another one, and uh, The Book Thief. Certainly, last year, um, I can't recall all of the titles, but I just noticed in the store that it's it's pretty full mm-hmm. you know from book to movie mm-hmm. and and it really helps book sales people say what what uh what do you recommend and i say well you know divergent right if yes. you don't know if you've seen the movie I but have not. it's fabulous and they say the book is always better so read the book yes right i agree what do you see for our future for our future well however you want to answer that 
Well, I can only speak for myself. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a big subject. Um, I think my future is going to be contingent upon my present, my frame of mind, my attitude, and how I spend my days. I think everything's going to be a build from there. I don't, I don't worry about the future. I worry about the present and having the correct uh, attitude, you know, uh, towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just an extension of. It's what you're building upon. You ever host a, a reading group or been part of a reading group? I have not. Boy, you'd be a lot of fun in a reading group. You think so? I do, indeed. Well, maybe I should look towards that. <laughs> there are a number of reading groups in the area. I, I don't, we don't host one at the bookstore, but if you're curious, I can point you to some people. And I'm always interested in how they choose their books because you're going to be talking about them with whoever else is in your group. And it could be, you know, if it's deadly boring, uh, then it, uh, I don't understand how your conversation is going to be enjoyable. But right. But for some of the books that, that we run across in the bookstore, I just think, wow, I'd love to have conversations with people about this. It is fascinating to, I mean, what I've done back and forth, um, you know, via email is talk about a book that, that you know, I have read that, that a friend of mine would be reading right now kind of a thing. And, you know, once we're both, fin both finished, is the point, to go back and forth on what we really thought was happening. <sighs> And just the different takes, because, of course, everybody's going to think, well, well, of course, this is obvious. You know, yeah, yeah. if I can see this, everybody can see this. Yeah. And to find out that that is not always the case. And it's sometimes what you see is a reflection of yourself oh, in definitely. the mirror. Yeah. We, we bring our frame of reference to everything. Yeah, I think that's so true. It has been such a delight to have you as my guest on Simple Life. It's been wonderful to be here, Cynthia. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. And uh, I want to let everybody listening know what we have going on coming up next week on the show. I will be hosting local author once again, Elizabeth Murray, who um, has just finished, I think this is what, her third book, Living Life in Full Bloom. It's beautifully illustrated. If you do know Elizabeth, she's a master gardener. She does a lot of workshops and uh, teaching around and in her garden locally. And um, we have it again in the bookstore. Uh, our book signing with Elizabeth will be on Mother's Day weekend. A fireside chat in the secret garden with Elizabeth Murray happens on Friday evening at 5.30. So plan to be there. It will be delightful. And uh, so that is what's going on. Of course, the psychic fair is coming. You heard me speak about that a couple of times already. Uh, twice a year for the weekend of May 3rd and 4th at the Monterey County Fairgrounds will be the psychic fair, Rhoda Psychic Fair. And that's 10 to 6 both days. We do have discount coupons available for you and your friends at the bookstore. Give us a call if you need any other information. Our number, 831-624-4955. We're always there if you need us. Open every day. No more days off. Uh, but we manage. We have a great crew. Tim's in the store today. Had Doreen there helping yesterday. And just love the folks that are part of Pilgrim's Way and available and enjoying our community. Uh, we have Tracking Club the same weekend as Rota Fair, so um, don't know how you're going to manage that. Certainly time to do booth, to do both. The Tracking Club starts at 8 a.m. We meet at the Ord Market in uh, Marina, right on Imjin. 
Uh, all of our events, by the way, are available either at the website, pilgrimsway.com. Just click on events or visit our Facebook page and give us a like. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hope that was uh, as enjoyable for you as it was for me. And I will look forward to being with you again next Saturday. Until then, keep it simple. Zabadab, 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 zabadab,